Hello and welcome to a new episode of the Morning Star Journal. Uh, this is Tariq coming to you uh, this afternoon, almost getting into the evening on Saturday. And today, um, uh, again, uh, to kind of go back to previous episodes, um, I'm going to take a moment and actually we're going to talk about a comic writer that... Um, that, that I realized a little bit later on um, did a lot of things that were that was really major and really important and that's Dwayne McDuffie and I'm definitely going to get into him in just a moment uh, if you can listen in the background let's turn down a little bit more we got a little bit of you know, little relaxation music going on in the background um, kind of set the mood a little bit and I want to thank everyone who, uh, you know, is listening to the podcast. Uh, I really appreciate anyone who does listen. And, um, and if you have any suggestions or, you know, anything that I can approve on or uh, certain elements that you do like or, you know, just any suggestions at all, please um, by all means, let me know. Um, I don't really have the best access for iTunes, so uh, some of the best options, if you go on Anchor, you can leave voice messages. I can get those pretty easily. Also, uh, you can find me on Twitter and Instagram. I do sometimes uh, post a couple of pictures here and there, kind of um, previewing the uh, next week's show. So you can find me, uh, Morningstar Journal, on Twitter. Journal's normally uh, spelled J-R-N-L. Um, you can also find me on, you can also email me at the morning star journal, all spelled out. So the morning star journal at gmail.com. And of course, I'm um, also on Facebook where I do uh, post the episodes as well as a few pictures as well. Um, again, I want to give a shout out to uh david who um is always there for me and always helped me out i've actually started reading his book i'm about uh, about four chapters in and so far i am really engaged i just haven't had the time uh to really dedicate to it and i really want to because i want to give him my uh you know honest opinion for his book but so far i will say that it has me intrigued and i i I can't wait to see what's going to happen um of course his book which he actually uh gave me a copy hurtling towards a home a story of hope um i do uh recommend that if you do have a chance by all means he's uh he had a little bit of issue with the uh, publication as far as the paper copies, but I believe he's got that sorted. So uh, you can actually check it on Amazon or like me, I actually download it for Kindle. Real easy to do because uh, I, I read most of my books through Kindle. So uh, I'd say do that. That's usually the best option. But anyway, kind of um, to get to the real main thing on it, um, just today. Well, today I'd like to go over, like I said, on the uh, comic writer, um, not just a comic writer, but I mean, he's a producer, editor, um, a creator in certain uh, aspects, and I'll definitely get into that, but um, 
It's an individual named Dwayne, uh, born Dwayne Glenn McDuffie. And I really didn't plan this. Um, and it's kind of um, coincidence that this is the 20th episode. Um, he was actually born on February 20th, 1962. And unfortunately, he has passed and he did pass on February 21st of 2011. So this would be a sort of kind of anniversary episode. And um, he did die, um, my opinion, very young. And But his impact on the comics as well as TV can be seen today. And um, a little bit like I posted earlier, in my opinion, he pretty much gave us, I say us, the you know viewers and people who um, who were able to watch, watch or read his work. In my opinion, he gave us just about the definitive version of the Justice League, um, hands down. Um, if you watch, I know the Justice League was produced by, I believe, um, uh, Paul Dini, Bruce Tim, who initially brought us the Batman animated series back in the nineties, then later Superman, and then it evolved into the Justice League. But his stories that, uh, Dwayne, um, incorporated really submitted and showed us, um, deep down, just like, just aspects of the characters that, I don't think we really saw in anything up until this point. Like, and, and unfortunately, I didn't read a lot of these comics in general when it came to the Justice League. Um, I've read a few Superman comics. I got a few when uh, during the whole death of Superman, and around that time, I started getting into uh, Superman because I really liked uh, Steel when they uh, introduced him, and that kind of led me to get a few get into the um, actual comics here and there, but um, really the cartoon series was my true gateway into the realm. And every time I would watch the cartoon, it would lead me to new questions. Um, They're kind of going to sidetrack, for instance, when the Justice League first appeared, of course. And uh, again, this spun out of Batman and Superman. So when the episode starts, of course, Batman and Superman already know each other. Because, um, you know, the cartoon series. And they pretty much kept it in canon that the events of the Batman animated series and the Superman animated series happened in this world. Though... <sighs> It kind of fudges it a little bit when it comes to because technically in Superman we did get um, we did get Aquaman and we and we got uh, Kyle Rayner Green Lantern, but of course in um, uh, in the Justice League cartoon they kind of had a new introduction to Aquaman, which I don't I can't remember if it really acknowledge what happened, and they also use a different design for Aquaman from the uh, Superman animated series to when it came to Justice League. And then same thing with uh, Green Lantern, this kind of goes back to what I was talking about. Um, when Green Lan- when they first, when they brought in Green Lantern in Justice League, it was Jon Stewart, who was black. And when I first saw this, I was, I was skeptical. I was like, oh, they had to, you know, they wanted to get a um, a black hero in here for, you know, 
you know, my demographic to, you know, oh, we have a hero in here. And I was, I was skeptical about it at first. And then it wasn't until later when I found out, when I actually looked it up, I was like, oh, wait, no. Jon Stewart was, it was in fact, a Green Lantern in the comics. Because um, I remembered, um, like I said, I, I kind of read comics here and there. And I recalled um, Hal Jordan because that's who they usually use in the old Super Friends cartoons. And then, of course, like I said, in the, uh, in the Superman, they brought in Kyle Rayner who I had heard about every so often. I think when I uh, got, during the whole Death of Superman thing, I would see, uh, I think Kyle Rayner was, uh, I think just after that, um, they had started using Kyle Rayner during the Return of Superman era. And so when, um, so when they showed, so when, you know, John Stewart, I had no idea that this was a, he was just an established Green Lantern. And I found out a little bit later that, yeah, not only was he established, I mean, he had, there was a full character of, he wasn't just a, and I'm going to get into this a little bit later to go back to a, a few things that Dwayne McDuffie did that really sparks with me, that he wasn't just, oh, he's just a black version of Hal Jordan. No, he was a different character. And you watch it in the cartoon, you see it where Jon Stewart is this very serious, you know, by the book Marine, basically. And he, you know, takes no guff. Um, he respects true authority and, you know, questions the likes of Batman and Superman constantly he has no patience, at least in the beginning of the cartoon, you kind of know he has no patience for uh, Wonder Woman uh, because she doesn't have like a true authority you know she's not a authority she's not a general she's not just doesn't have a rank even though she is an ambassador in a sense that more or less puts like she's she's basically to him she's an ambassador of another country she's basically a civilian in his case and actually i think in the, in the beginning of justice league he almost treats most of the league as civilians and I thought that was kind of, uh, you know, interesting kind of take on it where he's like, y'all just civilians uh, pretend, you know, kind of pretending to kind of do this work. You're not real, you know, soldiers in his mind. And I can get into a lot of things with Native Green Lantern, but that, but that's really just what I want to say is that, you know, they, um, the Justice League cartoon series that came out back in the 2000s really did a really amazing job on bringing certain characters that you had not thought of or not brought you know that that existed in the past and give them new light and for me personally that caused me to look into them a little bit further and find out more about them now this kind of goes into uh Dwayne Duffy who um, as I said, he was born in 1962. I believe he actually went to college in uh, University of Michigan at a very, very early age. And um, in one of the uh, documentaries I'm going to um, kind of reference in a moment, uh, say when he went to early age, he actually wanted to be an astronaut at one point, but uh, his picture showed him he was like a really tall guy. And I think that little, that kind of um, deterred him a little bit from getting into the activity because he was probably, I know how sometimes, at least for me personally, if they see, when people see you 
as far as like how you look um, physically, like as far as like how tall or big you are, there's usually a perception that that can sometimes deter from what you really want to. And um, it kind of seems like that may have had a play in him, at least in his early age, which I can definitely understand. But um, later in life, he did um, later start working at Marvel Comics. And under Marvel, he actually helped um, create, I believe he actually created the um, miniseries and the uh, group called Damage Control. Now, if you watch the movies at all, and the Marvel movies, they've actually brought them up a couple of times. And actually, when I rewatched uh, Iron Man, believe it or not, if you if you look at the um, uh, the scrolling text at the bottom of when uh, after after everything goes down in Iron Man, when he's trying to give his speech, uh, they actually mention damage control then. Back in 2008, when the first Iron Man, they actually name drop uh, Damage Control. And throughout the MCU, they keep referencing it. They even talk about it in Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. And when I started looking into it, Damage Control is actually a pretty cool idea. Uh, the, the basic concept is, is that they're a group that handles all the cleanup and um, restoration after superhero attack so when uh doom decides to lay siege to new york or um the serpent society is had tried to uh you know knock over a a a diamond heist or something or the brotherhood has interrupted a rally somewhere and the x-men had to inter you know intervene to save everybody damage control was this group usually of regular people but i believe they actually had some heroes kind of you know, within their ranks every so often, but they would go around, they would be the insurance people, they'd actually clean up messes, or they would help with rescue or restore, and it's kind of a cool concept, and I really wish they explored it a little bit more, um, they did, they, they played a little bit of a bigger role in, uh, Spider-Man, um, Homecoming, um, Damage Control is the ones that kind of, uh, uh, causes, uh, tombs, um, Michael Keaton's character to, uh, you know, get angry with, you know, Tony and everything because damage control takes kind of like the contracts and sense and sense because they were cleaning up the, um, alien attack basically. And damage control is like a really cool idea. And this is something that Dwayne Duffy kind of created just out of almost, it seems out of the blue, um, this kind of cool concept that you would think is like a, a no-duh, in a sense. And you're going to see that with, um, a little bit later, I'm going to really go into uh, some of the uh, TV shows that he helped produce that, you know, this is what he did. And I think this is what made him such a great, in at least in my opinion, a great writer and just a genius in general, that he would come up with these ideas and stories and concepts that when you start reading them, you're like, yeah, no kidding, this is cool. Why did anyone else thought of it? But he did. He, I mean, he, he comes up with the first and is actually not only comes up with it, but able to put it out there so that other people can um, read or watch it. Um, kind of going into 
uh, a little bit into Marvel because I want to kind of kind of stay on Marvel for a little bit here um, before we start jumping into his other publications. Um, some of the other things that he worked on Marvel did the damage control. He actually did. A, it looks like he actually did a lot with um, Captain Marvel. Now you might be thinking, oh, you mean uh, Carol Danvers, not her. And you might think, oh, well, I kind of heard there was a guy called Marvel who was the was in the first Captain Marvel, not him either. There was actually back around the, um, I think around the late seventies, probably the early eighties, there was another Captain Marvel named Monica Rambeau, who was a black woman who had the powers, um, kind of like these energy powers, and she kind of uh, took on the name of Captain Marvel, but she was a major deal. And if you go back in the comics around the uh, 80, for most of the 80s, not only was she a major deal, she actually led the Avengers for quite a while. And she was a power, not only just a powerhouse, but it was an awesome kind of character moment um, where she takes this mantle. And it's a little bit of a shame that Marvel didn't decide to use this as a Captain Marvel in their new series. And in the comics, they kind of started, you know, building Carol Danvers a lot. So that made sense why in the um, in the movies, they decide to use Carol as the main. But I'm kind of hoping that they decide to, even if they might not call her Captain Marvel, Monica went by a few names like Photon and Spectrum. And if you look real closely, they've uh, one of the uh, one of her, one of the co-stars is Maria Rambo, who is Monica's mother. And I believe they actually show this on the side of one of the planes. If you watch the thing, the plane says Photon. And because Captain Marvel happens in the past, hopefully that means that. And I think they do have a, a young girl who's going to be. Uh, Monica in the movie I'm hoping this means that when they kind of fast forward into the present that Monica will be uh, maybe will be a hero in herself and even though they already have Carol as Captain Marvel maybe Monica can take the name of Spectrum and have her in there and when I started reading about Spectrum this is another character that uh, I think Dwayne or Duffy kind of you know, elevated a lot higher in the newer um, one-shots and uh, another one called Next Wave, which was like another kind of superhero group. Um, again, he pretty much brought this character to life. And that's what I really appreciate about the work he does is that he brings these kind of like what's considered maybe um, lower tier, um, like mid-tier, lower tier characters and actually brings them to life and actually... Uh, gives them like new meaning and that's what I think is missing in a lot of the um, in just comics and TV in general now so many people want to take existing characters and maybe tweak them or you know change their race or change their gender but you know that sometimes that works sometimes that doesn't but you forget about all these other characters that remember comics have been around for so long. There's probably a character that you actually want that is out there 
that just hasn't been, you know, maybe hasn't got a lot of development. And here's your chance. And what's kind of cool is that for the most part, you know, they may just let you. I think that's what was the big thing about a lot of these characters and also characters later is that, you know, he probably, he may have went to them and said, hey, I want to do something with Captain Marvel. And they were like, who? Oh, you mean the, oh, I think that was like a Monica. Yeah, sure. We're not doing anything. And he, you know, made a lot of um, headway with her. And later on, I'm going to get to some other characters that he helped create for DC that I believe really do deserve another shot and really deserve to kind of come out. Um, a couple other, uh, a couple other um, Marvel things he worked on, other than uh, Captain Marvel, he did a lot with, um, looks like he did a lot with Amazing Spider-Man, Deathlock, um, another character that's kind of, used to be kind of on the wayside, it kind of comes back. Believe it or not, I saw this, and it took me on a bad uh, Wikipedia rabbit hole. There was a double dragon. Um, apparently, that was um, Marvel actually had the rights to make a comic of that back in the 90s. And Dwayne uh, Duffy actually was part of that. And Back to the Future. So Marvel really just had no shame on anything they made. Um, but that is, and also it looks like he did some work on Iron Man. It was like a fill-in writer for Iron Man Power Pack. A lot of these, a lot of these Marvel comics, I wasn't really personally into. I was more when it came to Marvel, it was X Men or bust, really, for me, and um, that was my bread and butter. And sometimes, if like you know, it spun off to somebody else, yeah, I would jump into those, but. I didn't really jump, I really didn't care for, you know, Spider-Man, the Avengers, and definitely not the Fantastic Four, no offense to them, but the X-Men were just like more popular, and just, it spoke to me a lot more than any of those. Um, so, getting away from the uh, Marvel... We kind of jump a little bit into DC, and in the early 90s, he, um, Dwayne, along with, I believe the uh, other creators are uh, uh, De uh, Dennis Cohen, Michael Davis, and Derek T. Dingle, in 1993, found uh, Milestone Media. And Milestone was this uh, publication that was kind of uh, a part of DC. They were like this kind of um, subsect of DC where um, Dwayne, these other gentlemen, were founders. And they were able, they actually created their own um, kind of pocket universe. And they filled it with uh, minority um, heroes, uh, minority and underrepresented, uh, different heroes. And this is the birthplace of two of the heroes that, um, really caught my eye, Icon, and somebody that a lot of people will know, Static, also known later as Static Shock, and I'll get to him in a minute. Now, um, Icon I kind of feel it was like is is a is a is an impressive character because it was kind of the Superman trope, but they but they but he spun it in such a way that was really unique. So the basic story of Icon that I've seen and I really and I kind of going back, I remember uh, Milestone kind of coming out. This is back in ninety three ninety four, and I kind of remember going to. 
um, a Comic Con in Charlotte, and them actually showing them have actually given out posters and stuff of uh, Milestone in the universe. And it did intrigue me a little bit, but it just didn't catch my eye as much. Like I said, I was really big in X-Men. It was pretty much this X-Men all or nothing for me. Um, except for I think that was also around the time of the death of Superman, maybe. Um, so, of course, that was a big deal. But, you know, um, while I was interested, I never really gave it its due. And it wasn't until, um, and, I was talk, and I'll talk about that, uh, this in a moment, the Static Shock cartoon series that really um kind of made me kind of refocus and unfortunately by that point milestone hadn't um hadn't been around as much but going back to icon icon was this kind of um superman basically a superman type character where he was an alien being who uh came to you know crashed crashed the earth on an actual um, spaceship, but the kind of difference they did with it, not only just be back, is that he actually crashed, um, back about 400 years ago. Um, I think around 400, yeah, about 300, 400 years ago. And he crashed near a slave plantation. And when the slaves actually found the ship, found the crash ship and picked up, he was kind of like this unformed being. And then because, the slaves picked him up. That's the um, th- that's the kind of uh, figure that he that the ship kind of created for him. Um, it was a concept that it would you know kind of base whatever life form it came in contact with, and that's what kind of basic shape and everything that um, it would form icon because he was just being born, and um, so he kind of took the resemblance of a black um, black slave at that time, and. What they kind of did was Icon, he was almost, I think when he, after he became like a certain age, he was basically immortal. And what he did was, I mean, eventually he does, he gets his, you know, he manages to get his own freedom because he's like extremely strong and powerful. But he lives, and because he lives so long, he actually takes up like uh, an identity. Um, I think it was like something Freeman and basically throughout the century, he would just basically kind of pull um, a maneuver that Lex Luthor later does with clones, where he'll just say, oh, this is my son, which is just himself. So by the time we meet him in the present, he's like Freeman the Fourth or something like that. Um, but he had like a, so you have this character who, you know, exists for, you know, 300 years and, or four, like 300, 400 years. And I believe what they kind of, you know, and somebody could correct me on this, is that it seems like he became a little bit disillusioned with being a, you know, being a kind of hero for people that, you know, just, I guess he just felt like didn't deserve it. And that kind of caused him to be this, um, you know, he became wealth, but he kind of made this recluse. He kind of stayed to himself and it wasn't until meeting, or sorry, it wasn't until somebody broke in, um, a character who would later become Rocket, his, uh, his uh, sidekick, that, they, that she convinces him to uh, kind of come out and actually be a hero. And I think that's a kind of a really cool concept that, you know, was under DC's pocket. Now, um, an interesting note, I uh, Milestone, unfortunately, um, 
they only lasted a few years and they unfortunately um you know due probably to sales and things like that they were they were um, shut down but um a lot of their characters have kind of made their way and kind of getting into this i know there's probably a little bit of a I know I've, I've heard a lot of things about, you know, like a rights deal and, you know, who owns this and we don't want to show this because it owns money. Now, I don't know the specifics of it. I don't know who owns what, but I think it's, it's very sad and I wish they would just, you know, pay whoever needs to be paid, either the actual money or percentage and just use these and just be able to use these characters because I think it's a great disservice to fans of comics and cartoons and movies in general to have these potential characters kind of being locked up in a sense in red tape uh, because you're afraid of who's going to get the money for this. And it's it's just very sad because you never know where you never know about some of these characters that might inspire somebody or might inspire a new writer or an artist or a creator or not even that might just inspire somebody just to you know I saw this character and now I want to do good I want to be a you know firefighter police officer in real life because those are real heroes you know you never know what these different people are going to what these different you know kind of characters will inspire and it's just real sad to have these things uh these different characters locked up because oh this creator created him at this point and we don't want to have to pay them you know anything for it and it's it's just kind of depressing now i'm hoping a lot of that isn't the case or at least they've kind of worked out because icon and rocket have actually made it into um there was a series that came out a few years ago called young justice which starred a lot of the younger uh dc heroes but icon the official icon does show up as a hero in that he's being inducted into the justice league while um rocket being younger is actually going into uh young justice and there was actually another character that they created called um hardware that i looked into that it seems like and it looks like his design and i'm pretty sure it's gonna be him eventually and I hadn't seen the recent season, I mean, not the season, but the kind of last few episodes of it. But in Young Justice Season 3, there's a character in the background that looks very much like hardware. So I'm really hoping that these characters are not only coming back in Young Justice, but hopefully they can make their way into the uh, DC Comics, the actual Justice League comics and you know who knows maybe there's a writer out there that wants to take a shot and bring them back um another character that i kind of mentioned that got brought that that i brought up was called static and static if you don't know um you may not uh know that character from the comic but he had a hit cartoon series uh just after justice league started static shock and again, this show, um, it was create, you know, helped created by Dwayne McDuffie, who helped kind of bring this character into light. And the show was amazing. 
um, the basic concept of the show, uh, I think it takes a lot from the comics, was that uh, basically Static was this young man who um, unfortunately kind of um, one night was um, hanging out with some unsavory, you know, folks, and he got caught up in this almost turf war, and he came real close to um, falling in and kind of being wrapped up in a gang war and using a weapon, which they did a really cool job of showing that, you know, he throw, you know, they actually, somebody actually gives him a gun and tells him, you know, hey, you know, kind of jump in, and he's terrified, and he actually throws it away. But during the commotion, they're kind of near this... Um, uh, factory or plant or something and an explosion goes off and what happens is um in that explosion um and it affects a lot of people he gets knocked out a little bit but he's managed to wake up and get home but after he gets home he realizes that he has these kind of static electricity powers where he can kind of generate a little like low level um electricity he can um kind of uh attract objects to him or, you know, push objects away. He can also kind of generate, uh, you know, a little bit of electricity to either, you know, turn things on or off or kind of draw energy. And they really develop powers um, pretty impressively. And what they kind of did, and it's kind of cool where, and looking back, it was kind of a combination of Spider-Man and what they did with Smallville with Superman. So what I mean by that is this, the um, Spider-Man angle is you have this teenage kid who, you know, out of nowhere gets these powers and decide, and he starts seeing these... Um, okay, well, let me get to the Smallville now explain the Spider-Man part. So the Smallville angle is that when Smallville kind of first started, you had Superman who, you know, crash lands in Smallville, but then you had, like, all this kryptonite that also... Um, came with him basically it was like the remnants of his planet and when that happened basically what happened what what it did was it caused a lot of the smallville residents to either you know exhibit powers like some were killed and then brought back or some you know kind of like got hit by a kryptonite and managed to have these powers and they were like the kind of villain of the week type thing so Static Shock kind of did that with the explosion at the plant. So what they called was, um, I think, they called it like the Big Bang. And um, and unfortunately, the term they came up with were Bang Babies. 90s, what can you say? But anyway, these uh, kids who were caught up in the actual explosion, they also either, you know, some, you know, exhibited... Um, mild powers, but um, some of them actually started becoming these like villains. Basically, they got these powers, and they were already kind of like bad apples to begin with, and now they had powers to do major damage. So you got the Smallville angle of like, okay, you have these like kind of villain of the week of you know kids that were affected by the explosion and. You know, some of them were villains, some of them were good, you know, kind of mixed bag. But then also you have the Spider-Man angle, this young kid who has powers and I hate to take the quote, but feels like he has a responsibility to, you know, stop these people because the police can't do anything. And I think in Static, they really did a great job in, you know, showing this young kid and his regular struggles because, he, you know, they still had him as Afri African-American kid. Um, and the basic day-to-day -day struggles he has, 
uh, similar to the day, regular day-to-day struggles that Spider-Man, of course, goes through. So you have that kind of angle with it. Um, plus, you know, he's being this hero. And what's kind of a cool thing is that later, uh, Dwayne Duffy, because it's part of the DC Universe, incorporates Batman and the rest of the Justice League. Like, um, he's impressed with Jon Stewart because Jon Stewart is a fellow African-American hero and he kind of really looks up to it. So this was kind of before they really um, tried to jump an icon. A funny thing, though, is once... Um, DC and decided to start using Black Lightning in an episode with um, in Young Justice. They actually bring Static Shock into Young Justice, and then later they bring in Black Lightning, and they and he becomes his uh, tutor in a sense. He's like you know he comes like his protege to help out Static, which I thought was like a really cool um, a cool thing. And I haven't watched the recent. Uh, episodes of the current Black Lightning TV show, but there have been a lot of rumors and hopes that, uh, you know, um, uh, Virgil Hawkins may just show up, and if that's the case, then, you know, don't be surprised if maybe uh, they kind of uh, bring in Static Shock, and if that's the case, then, again, this shows the power of Dwayne McDuffie, who created this character back in the 90s, and despite the kind of publication issues and, you know, DC buying up Milestone and kind of using them and kind of not. But this character stand and, you know, in the TV and creating the TV show, he stands the test of time and is still, you know, able to, you know, kind of come back and people still want him. And I know Static has made it into comics every so often, but, you know, and unfortunately those comics kind of, you know, um, you know, some did good, some did bad, but there's still that demand for it and just goes to show you the power of that character. Same thing with Icon, I think. And, you know, if Warner Brothers really wants to, you know, start bridging and start wanting to create something different, I know they were talking about recasting Superman, you know, do Icon. I mean, that would be a completely different hero to actually portray and... You can still build. I mean, you can still build it within the DC universe, so you can still have that DC pantheon where they, where he can still run into Wonder Woman and Aquaman and Flash and Batman and what have you. So you know, these are characters that are in your arsenal that you just need to use. Um, another TV show that he was really big on, and this one I kind of, um, you know waned a little bit on it it was good and bad was a uh, ben 10 um and he was actually part of both alien force and ultimate alien so ben 10 basic concept of that one is just you know this kid gets this watch and is able to make turn him into 10 different aliens that's the basic concept it gets a lot more deeper into that on what the watch does there's almost like a it's funny because he's his like his, I think his grandfather or uncle, it's part of this almost like men in black type society that knows the aliens and knows more about the watch and stuff. And it gets real deep because uh, I think um, Ultimate Alien and Alien Force were the kind of later seasons of Ben 10 that um, that actually brought him older. And that was another cool concept that I, I, that I feel like is kind of lost is that um, with Dwayne McDuffie's writing, he actually took this character 
who was a kid before, and instead of just having a new season where he's just a kid, actually grew him up a little bit and had new problems as more or less this, like, teenager and young adult. And I think it really strong to his writing, even though, like I said, uh, Ben 10 wasn't really my cup of tea, but it was really cool. Now, I'm going to get into the TV shows, and hopefully I have enough time to really talk about this, because there's some episodes that uh, Dwayne McDuffie was part of, both Justice League and Justice League Unlimited, that I really want to talk about. So, um, but before I do that, one of the, two of the shows that he was, uh, or sorry, three of the movies that I know he was part of were um, All-Star Superman, Justice League, Crisis on Two Earths, and Justice League Doom, which unfortunately came out after his passing. Now, Crisis on Two Earths was a really good was a really good movie. Now, Crisis happens after. Um, okay, so the Justice League cartoon series ran for you know a number of years, and unfortunately was you know unceremoniously canceled at. And a lot of people would say it's hype. And after the Justice League cartoon series, uh, sorry, Justice League and Justice League Animated went off the air, DC started making a lot of these animated movies. So they did like a lot of Batman ones, and then there was the Batman Superman ones too. And the ones that I really want to talk about uh, is Crisis on Two Earths and Justice League Doom. And Crisis on Two Earths is kind of interesting because in a sense... There's an aspect of it that makes you think that this happens between Justice League and Justice League uh, Unlimited. Because um, even though in in Crisis, they decided to go with... Um, in the regular Justice League, it was Wally West as The Flash. But in the cartoons, just to make it, I guess, um, more universal, they use Barry Allen, the more pop... Or debatably, the more popular Flash, I should say. Uh, and then also with Green Lantern, the, where the cartoon used Jon Stewart, the movies decided to go with Hal Jordan. Um, also because like the Green Lantern uh, movie, uh, sorry, cartoon movie, and actually the Green Lantern movie they made also went with Hal Jordan. Um, so, but besides those two factors, in at the end of the Justice League, uh, Starcross, Justice League cartoon, the Watchtower is destroyed. And in Crisis of Two Earths, they're building a new Watchtower. And also, they, Batman is developing a teleported, a teleported uh, technology, which is then used in uh, Justice League Unlimited. Also, at the end of Crisis on Two Earths, Wonder Woman steals Owlman's uh, ship, which has a cloaking device and was damaged. But it was damaged so that the cloaking device stayed on, in which case it becomes the invisible jet. And in an episode in Justice League Unlimited, um, where uh, Batman and Wonder Woman are actually visiting Superman, she is flying an invisible jet. So it's kind of weird that Crisis in Two Earths kind of became this... Hey, this is what happened between, and also in Crisis of Two Earths, they actually um, uh, gather, or um, Superman makes a note saying, yeah, we might need more people to kind of help out, and Batman actually calls in a couple of, uh, during the course of the movie, 
he has to take on like a few people and he actually calls on like um black lightning firestorm aquaman red tornado and black canary to kind of help out real quick and it's funny because those characters well except for black lightning for whatever reason they did something different with him and uh the unlimited but almost those characters are characters you see in unlimited as like members to begin with so it's kind of funny that they i I don't know if they did it on purpose and i think maybe chrysler tours was one of those like it was one of those cartoon scripts that they were gonna use but decided not to but i thought that was pretty cool and the same and doom i really want to talk about uh, justice league doom because in my opinion if you have to if you have a chance to watch any justice league cartoon movie Justice League Doom is the best representation you are going to get of the Justice League, how they interact with each other, even their voices, because they keep the voices. Crisis actually changed the voices up with different actors, but Doom actually brings back the animated series voices, and they are amazing. And I would definitely recommend watching Doom um it's got one of the best um like i said interactions it's got a really cool story um there's also what i would recommend uh, another thing i recommend on it not only the commentary but there's also a um documentary called a league of one and it's dedicated to Dwayne mcduffie who wrote that story and i think that was like doom unfortunately came was like one of the last things he wrote is between that and All-Star Superman. But I know that Doom came out, I believe he was, yeah, there, he was around for All-Star Superman, but unfortunately he died before Doom came out and Doom definitely was written by him. So to see one of the last things he wrote on, um, see it really formulate, he and once again, using a character that hadn't been used as much, he actually brings Cyborg into the Justice League and actually makes him useful where he is an integral part. Like, the events of Doom, if Cyborg wasn't around, the Justice League would have been screwed, hands down. He actually helps out and he brings a different flavor that no one else in the Justice League can. And I know a lot of people, you know, kind of uh, like Cyborg more on the Teen Titans, but I still remember him back in the Super Friends as a character, you know, in that where he was with Superman, Batman, and the rest of them. And I know, you know, in the, in the comic verse, he was in the Teen Titans a lot more, and I think a lot more of his character developed in that. But Doom did a really great job on bringing him into the Justice League. And, you know, not for not, even, you know, a lot of people have problems with uh, when DC relaunched with the New 52. Um, having Cyborg as this kind of like tech guy who's a bridge of both human intelligence and um, computer intelligence melded into one, I think that's a really cool combination that, you know, the Justice League doesn't have a tech person like that. You can make the argument Batman, but I think he's a kind of, he's one of those like, and I always think of Batman as kind of this general genius. Like, it's basically like this. Batman could, like, if you had this issue where this laser is about to destroy something, Batman could analyze it, figure out the laser, maybe figure out how to 
redirect it maybe or maybe know how to stop it. Cyborg, however, would know how to completely deconstruct it, know how it works, and could probably either copy it for later use or fully um, kind of reverse engineer it for other purposes. That's kind of the, that's the basic kind of difference. And I think that you can't do that with Batman. Um, you don't want to do that with Superman, even though he is super intelligent. You do want to kind of limit as far as like, you know, how much tech stuff he gets into. Um, so that's where like Cyborg, I think, really falls into play. Um, but as I was saying, they do a great job in it. If you listen to the commentary in Doom, Jeff Johns actually talks about a point where before he passed away, uh, Dwayne was actually, they were actually considering uh, putting him onto a Martian Manhunter comic. And when you see what they do with Martian Manhunter, like as far as um, showing his, um, you know, kind of alien side, and that was another thing. Again, I, I keep on going back to this, but this is what he did. He took a character like Martian Manhunter that is typically seen as, oh, he's just another Superman. He's just an alien. And, you know, he's just Superman with, he's just a green Superman with powers. It's like, no, he has a different set of powers. Yes, he is strong and he can fly. And he does have kind of a laser eye vision, but he's also a telepath. He's a shapeshifter. He's also completely alien. Where Superman is an alien who landed, you know, on Earth as a child, he Superman still grew up on Earth, and they really do it, and he really did a good job. Not only in this, but you also see it in uh, again the Justice League um, animated series that um, Martian Manhunter is completely alien when it comes to Earth customs because he didn't come here as a child. He came as an adult, and everything on Earth is just so weird to him. And I think they did a real good job, like I said, in the animated series, but they do a good job in Doom. So, again, um, out of all these, and even though I think All-Star is, All-Star Superman is um, probably a lot of, I think they consider it his, um, probably his master achievement, I really like Doom, and I recommend that one. Um, a couple of episodes I really want to touch on as far as uh, things that Dwayne Duffy did and um, not only Just League but I just want to talk about it. he also did a few episodes on Teen Titans and also What's New Scooby-Doo um, so like it, again because he was part of DC Warner Brothers and then um, that was a lot of the uh, CW shows so like that fell into that kind of market where they probably got him on seeing that his, you know, success on Justice League and Ben 10, they probably wanted him on Scooby-Doo and, of course, Teen Titans a little bit later. But real quick, and hopefully I can get to some of these, um, some of the ones that I really want to talk about from Justice League, and he did some, and I, I double-checked on a lot of these episodes, and he did some of the, like, some of the, in my opinion, some of the best episodes uh, Justice League had to offer, like um, Terror Beyond, which dealt with uh, Dr. Fate and Aquaman actually getting Solomon Grundy, of all people, to fight these Cthulhu monsters. It was really powerful because it also showed um, Hawkgirl in a new light and also just her vulnerability um, and, in a sense, to do things that 
Um, other characters won't. A little bit like what they do with Wonder Woman, but um, but uh, given Hot Girl her own flair. Um, also, there was a great episode called Hereafter, where um, a bunch of villains team up in the hopes of killing Superman, and uh, Toy Man creates this ray that actually make looks like it disintegrates things, and he's about to shoot. Batman and Wonder Woman and Superman jumps in the way. And you think that super and everyone thinks Superman's dead. And they did a really cool job on seeing like that kind of aftermath and you know how people felt and how some people could accept it, some people didn't. And I think the best thing on there was Lobo coming in, being like, Hey, since you're one man down, the main man's here. And they're like uh, Superman beat you up and he's like yeah that may be how he says it but that's not really how the main man sees it and they have to take on like a bunch of villains who decide to uh, capitalize on it and he fights off against Calabag and I wish I had this episode tuned up because at one point he's like yeah do you know who you're talking Calabag goes up he's like do you know who you're talking to yeah uh, talking to a I'm talking to a dead man, and he's like, I'm not dead yet. He's like, yeah, my watch is about 10 seconds fast. Something on those lines, and I'm just like, dang, Lobo, you do Lobo right, and he is just hilarious. But um, he does come back. I mean, Superman, you do find out what happened to him, and also kind of going back to Doom, using a character that isn't that wasn't used a lot, at least in my opinion, before, and they kind of really bring him back and he's using Doom and in Hereafter, Vandal Savage. Another amazing character that, you know, is he's been in, and from what I understand, he's been a villain for a long time in DC and yet they really didn't use him, which is such a shame. And if you watch the Justice League cartoon, like Vandal Savage is a monster and he is a impressive character. Also, another uh, thing, and kind of going back, to, again, going back to Doom did so much. There's an episode of a, near the end of the Justice League, not Unlimited, but regular Justice League called Wild Cards, where they actually introduced the Royal Flush Gang. And I had never heard of these guys until I think they, you first in TV, you see them in Batman Beyond, and which happens, in, of course, in the future. And Bruce mentions, yeah, they're a gang that's been around for even since my time that just shift um, members, basically. And they then use them in uh, the Justice League cartoon, um, almost the same, almost in the same sense as this kind of, you know, Roman band. And in this one, they they introduce him as a gang Joker initially creates, which is kind of cool, which is kind of a cool concept to think. Yeah, if Joker was uh, if if Joker was gonna make a gang of kids, he would make them. You know, like at least the cartoon version, he would make them in a sense of like cards. And Royal Flush sounds like something he would try. He would be the Joker, of course, but you know all the other ones: Ace, Ten, uh, Jack, King, Queen. Sure, that sounds like something right up his alley. 
And it's funny because in Doom, again, they're used in Doom as well. So, and uh, and also, if you have a chance to watch Wild Cards, listen to the voices because all the Wild Cards are actually the Teen Titan voices. Um, unfortunately, I am getting to the hour and I've really wanted to talk about the Justice League Unlimited episodes that really stand out that Dwayne uh, did. So, um, that's going to be something I'll probably talk a little bit about next week. Um, still kind of working out the subject for that one, but I will actually talk about that and a couple of other things. But I just want to leave with this is that uh, Dwayne McDuffie was a great writer, a great creator, producer, just all around just great guy in general. And he's definitely going to sorely be missed, but his work should never be forgotten. And I'm glad that a lot of it still makes the past. Um, I want to also mention, of course, his... Um, with on Charlotte Fullerton, they had been mar- they had married since 2009. Heart goes out to her and all the people. And if you have a chance, get the Justice League Doom um, if you can find it. Um, I'm sure it's out there, the DVD or Blu-ray, because it has that League of One documentary that really goes into a lot of his friends, and you can really feel the emotion. And the care that they gave to this man and um, the impact he had on just their lives in general. And I really recommend it, not only just because the movie is good, but that documentary and just seeing his work come to fruition. And I think it's really impressive. So again, I want to thank everyone who decides to kind of listen. I appreciate your time. And, you know, just... Go out there and, you know, be, I want to say be great, but really just be yourself. And if you be yourself, you will achieve that greatness. That's how it comes. And I think that's what, in the end, that's what Dwayne, in a sense, uh, still into me is that, you know, just do the things you love. Write about the things you love. Draw about the things you love. Play about the things you love. Whatever it is, do what inspires you and that greatness will come. Again, thank you for listening. I hope everyone has a great day. Peace.